Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in. It's David Summers hosting another Studcast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the only podcast on the planet which is documenting the real story of professional wrestling. It's 100 years of rich wrestling history as told by the stud. Now, please welcome the originator of the studcast, the man who changed the podcasting world with the super studcast. We step back into the ring, back into time. He is the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller, coming from the great smoky mountains of Tennessee. What's up, stud? Oh, geez, man. Uh, Another lovely day. Uh, uh, Things are happening around here. Seen bears, man, a lot of bears around this country right now, this part of the country. Uh, a couple of them uh, showed up just a few minutes ago. So, no, you, you I'm hoping they're going to stay healthy, man. Got to stay inside. Well, you didn't invite them in, did you? No, no, I, I didn't invite <laughs> yeah. them in, no. And, uh, and I'm hoping they don't come, won't come in for dinner or something. And, and no asking to hold the cute little cubs, stud. No, no, and I'm not <laughs> going to pick one up and stick it in my car either, no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> absolutely hey listen there's a lot going on and we're about to be talking about of course everything that's happening on youtube and southeastern rewind but you just got some news some distressing and sad news that we're going to be reporting right here at the very top of the show tell us that you just got a phone call i assume yeah yeah i just got a phone call man and it isn't good news that's for sure uh one of the greats of all time uh especially masked men of all time uh Passed away today, and he's been he's been sick for a while, uh, and he's been in the hospital for a long time. They put him in hospice yesterday, and and I uh, just got a call from his son, Nick Patrick, that uh, he's he's no longer with us. And uh, so you know, his that's uh, Jody, Jody Hamilton, the assassin, hmm. uh, passed, and uh, you know uh, worked for me for many many years in all my companies. I think just about every one of them, except maybe USA Wrestling. Well, might not have worked for me in USA, but uh, a great, great uh, star, uh, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Him and Tom Ernesto, as the Assassins in uh, Georgia, were fantastic as a team. And you know, my my heart goes out to to, to Nick and uh, and to all his family. And I'm really uh, sad to hear it. To, you know, kind of a bad way to start the show, but, uh, you know, uh, we've got a good one, though. We've got a really good one today, and, uh, you know, and I, I'll have to think some. I may try to do a tribute. I kind of like to do tributes to some of these guys that mm-hmm. I know very well, and, yeah. uh, wow, Jody. Jody was a great one and uh, and a friend for 40 years. Wow. So, 
know. Uh, so uh, I may I may end up doing one with him. Well, sadly, I mean, it seems like there's a, a we lose somebody on on a regular basis, and hopefully that uh, that will slow down. Of course, our condolences, our thoughts, and prayers with the with the family and friends of of Jody Hamilton, the assassin. All right, listen, we we got to start off today with the fact that, uh, of course, the Studcast and Super Studcast are moving a leap forward. Both have experienced tremendous growth over the last four years, as you've been talking about for a while now. The Studcast and Super Studcast, listen, make sure you understand this. The Studcast and Super Studcast are here to stay. They will be produced by a different company, but everything else remains the same. I know you've been seeing a lot of stuff maybe on YouTube or on uh, Facebook, but the new YouTube Southeastern Rewind channel has opened the door for growth and additional Tennessee stud content in all areas. For the first time, the stud is going to be able to provide his thousands and thousands of fans something more than just his podcast. He will now be able to bring you his four wrestling companies TV shows all in sequence. And I know you're excited about that and you would have a lot to say about that, but a lot going on right now. And again, we're tr just trying to make sure people understand we're not going anywhere. That's for sure. You know, studcast are here to stay. So the super studcast and uh, fans uh, may have a little trouble of uh, finding us in their normal locations. Uh, please, uh, please uh, keep working toward that. And I think you may have some news, Dave, the, about uh, platforms that they may, they can definitely find us on right away that uh, that a lot of people go to. And uh, uh, later on, maybe in the broadcast, we'll have a chance to say something about that just to help fans out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Studcast, Super Studcast aren't going away, and they're, we're going to be adding television programs on our YouTube channel and uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, and, uh, you know, the YouTube channel had just surpassed a big marker for YouTube channels. Uh, this past Friday, we hit that magic thousand dot thousand members, thousand subscribers. Uh, and uh, we also had a big event happen on Friday, same day. We had a Southeastern Wrestling TV show from 1978 that was added to the channel. So fans around the world and, uh, you know, many that have never had never, ever seen the Southeastern wrestling TV show were blown away by it. Uh, my gosh, uh, social media is just blown up. Uh, and we've had now over, we had over a thousand views in the very first day of that, of that TV show. And now in the third day, we're over 2000. So, you know, we're, we're off and running here and that's where we're really headed. Uh, we're going to use that uh, that uh, YouTube channel to push these television programs that we did uh, that I produced with four different companies from 1974, basically to 1988. Well, you know too that a lot of folks have gravitated over to the YouTube channel and they can listen to a lot of studcast and they've been doing that and a lot of other special stuff uh, including the new tell me more five question series that we're having a lot of fun doing but listen YouTube is about videos so that's what it's all about and 2000 hits in 3 days that is a terrific response Ron it was really 
the first one of hundreds of TV shows your four wrestling companies produced from 74 until 1988. So a tremendous amount is on the way to that Southeastern YouTube channel. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, now, uh, you know, uh, I'm basically uh, my stud cast telling a hundred year old story at this point. My grandfather started in the 1920s. Uh, now we're a uh, hundred years, a little more than a hundred years as a wrestling family. <laughs> and, uh, We've kind of become like a piece of fabric of the professional wrestling, man. Uh, it, you know, fans all over the world uh, seem now to be looking forward to that Wednesday when we're going to drop that next stud cast. And I'm humble, Dave, uh, quite, quite humble, man, about every time I visit my social media sites and I see all these great comments about the stud cast, super stud cast. And uh, as of last week, a tremendous number of great comments about that 1978 Southeastern TV show yeah, that's yeah. on that on YouTube now. Oh, no doubt. That's cool. And, and there a lot of subscribers are coming in and listen, that thing is really doing well. Yeah. You know, and, uh, what happened, uh, in that last one, in this 1978 Southeastern TV show, those that watch it, had subscribed, uh, and did watch it. Uh, they watched Dennis Condry. They saw Kevin Sullivan <laughs> as a young guy. Yes. They saw Bob Roop. They saw Jimmy Golden as a as a as a very very young guy uh, before he long before he became Buckhouse Buck. Right. You know, <laughs> Gorgeous George Jr. They saw. They saw Boris Malenko, uh, Professor Boris Malenko, big huge star from Florida. Phil Hickerson. They saw the legendary Ron Wright doing an interview. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know. Uh, so I didn't have to do him. I didn't have to do Ron Wright for that one. He did it himself. And uh, and if they didn't ride to the end of that show, you know, the, what they really missed was a classic match. The last match on that uh, TV show was a classic match with Ronnie Garvin. And, and as few people as ever, have ever seen Ronnie Garvin, I guarantee you. He oh. was young. Uh, his haircut's different. Mm -hmm. uh, his look is different. And wow, he he was intense. So, you know, great stuff. Watching it, it it's been great. I really enjoyed just watching the program myself. I think everybody's haircut is different. I watched yeah. I watched everything, Rod. It was spectacular and such a thrill as the Studcast host and for Studcast fans to see Ron Wright and so many others that you've been talking about over the years live and in action. And maybe even more remarkable was the animated opening of the show, the instant replays, rarely done in those days, the spinning wrestler's status between segments and the awesome personality profile. That was that was way ahead of its time when you guys were doing that. You and Les Thatcher were producing probably the best wrestling TV show in the world in the late 1970s, and that is absolutely unheard of. Well, a lot of people were saying that, Dave, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, I didn't get to see wrestling programs from all over the country. Uh, there were a lot of great wrestling programs, but uh, in regard to that subject, since we talked about it, Les Thatcher and I, we're going to video uh, an in-depth review of that very first Southeastern TV show uh, that we're, that's now had more than 2,000 views, and uh, we're going to air that show, the review with Les Thatcher and I, and uh, it's wonderful to have Les, who was a part of these shows, do this review with me. We're going to put that on the YouTube channel on Sunday, August the 8th. That's this coming Sunday. So subscribe now if you haven't, and ring the bell. 
And uh, if you if you have subscribed, we're going to ring your bell on Sunday. <laughs> and we're going to let you know when we put up this review of that first Southeastern TV show. That is going to be so exciting, not only for me, Stud, but for all the fans out there. Don't forget, if you have not already subscribed and rung the bell to Ron's new YouTube Southeastern Rewind channel, go there now. Start your ride into real wrestling history. Speaking of starting your ride, where are we going to gallop off to today, Stud? Well, this is another great one, Dave. Wow. And in uh, looking at this one and uh, thinking about it and putting it together, wow, this is a, this is a good one. We open up uh, with today's training, and this one I think is going to be extremely interesting for our listeners. Uh, Joe LaDuke is going to be the guy wearing the wrestler's hat today, and he's going to be training all the baby faces in Southeastern in the 70s, 1977 in particular, how to be s- smart uh, as, as a wrestler and how you travel. Hmm. So, so uh, you know, we're going to get a training from Joe LaDuke, and uh, and I think every fan will probably uh, be pretty surprised with this one. Huh. Uh, the stud cast, obviously, you know, uh, we're going to focus on July 22nd, 1977. We're back in that amphitheater in Knoxville. The Mongolian stomper on this one puts on his belt again against Joe LaDuke, puts it up again, but this time it's in a Canadian lumberjack match. And there's going to be wrestlers surrounding the ring to throw either of those guys back in the ring if they get out to leave. Mm-hmm. They've had two matches. They've fought all over the park. And uh, this time, we're going to try to keep the match inside the ring. So, Gorgeous George Jr., obviously, he's done his thing with Bob Armstrong. He's going to be back in the Stompers' corner. Bob Armstrong and Robert Fuller, they're in a four-man elimination match on this one against Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin, of course, and Bob Orton Jr. And if they win uh, this elimination match, they're going to get another title shot in the next week's card. Hmm. And we'll explore the TV shows six days before this card. And uh, this one features a video of what Bob Armstrong did all week to gorgeous George Jr. George was the prize that he won in a match two weeks earlier. And uh, Bob and Rob... Uh, they have uh, that final four elimination match with Mr. Knoxville, Ron Garvin, and Bob Orton Jr. That's going to be a TV match championship. So we're rating period, and we're going to have a TV championship tag match on this show, too, that we'll be talking about. We're going to review, obviously, the results of this card that was uh, in the uh, 22nd of July and the attendance. Learning tree question today is a good one. After all the time you had spent, this is to me, after all the time you had spent in Southeastern, Ron, trying to get more wrestling into the matches and less blood and guts, how did you feel about putting Stomper and LeDuc together so often? (laughs) (laughs) Because we know the result of that. Yeah. There's a lot of of blood spilling in that one. All right, so this is really going to be a great one, Ron. Joe LeDuc teaching traveling tips. Of all things, the war yeah. continues between the Stomper and Leduc, and I can't wait to hear about what Bob Armstrong did with Gorgeous George Jr. Then wrestling matches versus blood and gut matches in the learning t- tree question. That's going to be interesting. So Mr. Pickles and I were excited about this ride all day, but now he's a little antsy as a roping horse flying out of the chute after a calf. So it's like, come on, we going to get on the trail or what? Oh, man. Wow, sounds like you and old Mr. Pickles are doing a little roping now, Dave. 
a little bit. Beast, man. That, and that's probably pretty hard to do as a pickle, man. Riding a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you can rope on a pickle. I don't know where your horn is, man. When you rope one, where's your saddle horn on a pickle, man? I didn't figure that one out. It's so, a strong pickle. Yeah, it better be. <laughs> right. So, so, okay, let's get this ride going, man. Today's training is going to feature, like I said, the riding lifestyle of the of a Canadian lumberjack. Mm -hmm. You can believe that. Joe LaDuke at this point, he's been in Southeastern for about 10 weeks, and uh, he has become the favorite place for all of the baby phases to find themselves a ride. So, and, and why was that? What, 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 why? Well, you know, he's one of the first wrestlers that I can ever remember in the South that owned a conversion van. Oh. Now, this is 1977. You know, and it turns out that, well, once you made a few trips with him, it's the perfect vehicle for wrestlers. Ah. It, it seated at least six comfortably. Mm -hmm. You had four captain's chairs. You got that third seat in the back that folds down to make it out of bed. You know, you can carry six or seven guys comfortably, big guys. Right, type right. Guys. Did he drive it in from Canada? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, okay. He'd had that. This it wasn't something he just got. I think yeah. he had had it for several years. Yeah. yeah. So none of us, other than him, had ever owned a conversion van. Right. Crazy. Right. But you know, we never even. It wasn't even considered. So and he called his van the Starship. You know, it was a black van, and it had a couple of tiny stars that were painted on the front over the windshield. It had a great sound system in it, and Joe loved his music. And uh, since the van held six or seven guys, uh, if you had a 12-man card, that meant the entire Babyface crew could ride with Joe in the van, hmm. have a ball going and coming. Yeah. Party was on, literally. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned music, Stud. What kind of music did Joe, did Joe LaDuke like? <laughs> well, you know, he actually liked all kinds of music, Dave. You know, and... Uh, and, and I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but uh, lots of the old timers out there listening today are going to know what I'm talking about. Joe's Starship was equipped with the latest in music technology for that day. He had an eight-track player in his van. An <laughs> so, eight-track, okay, yeah. And, and he liked music. Uh, you know, he, he liked rock music. That's the type of music he liked was rock music the most. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in uh, the trips I made with him, uh, which turned out to be a whole lot like everybody in the territory did, you know, I gave him a few new songs that he had never heard. Now, these are back in the day. Better Bear in mind, uh, one of them was Leonard Skinner's Free Bird. Okay, yeah. One of them was Peter Frampton's Do You Feel? Yeah, uh, do you feel and, uh, like we you do? Know, and and uh, a lot of times, man, we came home with that old "Do you feel and free bird, man?" from Bluefield, West Virginia, or Hazard, Kentucky. On a lot of nights, man, we those rolled, were, uh, but those rolled were, down the road in that conversion van. But those were two standards that everybody who had a vehicle and could drive, they had those two eight tracks in their vehicle. One more from the road from Skinnerd, and then Frampton comes alive. So, and there's no telling how many million they sold of each of those, but. Anyway, everybody had that eight track back in the day. Oh yeah, it was it was it. Yeah, you you had to have that. If you yeah. had that, man, you were you were you were with it. Yeah, it was big time back in the day. So making a trip with Joe was a wonderful experience, and every wrestler in the crew wanted to have that experience. You know, but on large cards, you know, when you had fourteen or sixteen guys on the card, uh, you know, not everybody could fit in it. 
So sometimes the discussion was about, uh, you know, who's going to get those mm-hmm. seats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that was a kind of heated discussion sometimes between the baby faces. Right. And, and plus they, if they got on board the, the, the van, they probably saved a few bucks going down the road. Did everybody like throw in some money for, for gas and that kind of thing? Back those days, you shared. Yeah, the wrestlers yeah. Uh, did that for de- for for decades, man. If you one guy drove and the guys kicked in some money, so he didn't have to buy the gas. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, Joe, Joe, everybody treated Joe well. Uh, you know, the money he 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 did well. He never complained about you know feeling like he was taking advantage of. He seemed to enjoy having a band full of guys. You know? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's easier going down the road, and you can probably pay attention better when you got a few folks in there, as opposed to getting quiet and you're maybe dozing off behind the wheel. Nobody wants that. So, all right, but I can see that. But what was what was your standing when it came to getting a seat on the in the van on the bus, whatever you called it? What what was where were you on that? Well, as you can imagine, man, being the owner of the company. <laughs> I, I probably got some special privileges. You know? uh, and you were a Cadillac driver. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a nice car, and then so did Bob. Bob Bob, Bob Armstrong driving a Cadillac during mm-hmm. that time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, wrestlers were doing well in the territory. Lots of them had really nice cars, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, Joe kind of trained all of us, man, in the real enjoyment of taking long trips on your way to work. Ah. And that's basically what wrestlers did. They took long trips on the way to work. And this was in 1977. So, Dave, by 1980, three years later, and that next territory that we're going to be getting to in East Studcast, the Southeastern Territory based in (laughs) Pensacola, almost everybody in the crew drove conversion vans. Wow. They were red hot. (laughs) And, and, And we all owed that. The big, the old big lumberjack, Joe LaDuke, God rest his soul. He's the one that pointed us all in that direction. Yeah, and there was a fad. It was a thing back then, the, the conversion vans. That was the real way to take a vacation. And if you were a big family, you probably had one. So that's pretty cool. And who who would have thunk the late, great Joe LaDuke was one to stop and smell the roses? So. That's yep. that, that's cool right there, and what a fun today's training ride. So, uh, so are we gonna get that full card in Knoxville on Friday, July twenty second, seventy seven? Next, is that coming up? Yep, yep. Okay. And, you know, uh, and, uh, obviously, uh, you guys are still firing out of that shoot, man. So you be, you better hang on, di- you better hang on tight, to old Mister Pickles. There, uh, yeah. I don't know. You throw a saddle <laughs> on Mister Pickles. <laughs> He's a good barebacker, but I got a saddle on him. All right, and and plus my heels are dug in pretty deep. Oh, well, that's a good idea, man. So okay, so, so since you brought up heels, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. let's have a look at that card uh, in the amphitheater. Uh, there's a new heel in the very first match. A guy called Mister X was in the first match, and he's against old Ron Wright. And uh, fast and proven Jerry Stubbs was in the second match against a great amateur wrestler named George McCrary who's been around Southeastern for a while now. Great uh, third match was Tony Charles against the pro, Doug Gilbert. And uh, wow, this was a tremendous third match for anybody's card anywhere in the world. Uh, then the, the giant, uh, the new black wrestler that's that's hanging out with Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr. in the last two weeks, uh, his name is Sylvester Ritter. Uh, he started calling himself on this this TV show, The Junkyard Dog. 
and uh, and he was set to meet me on this card. Uh, Bob Armstrong and my brother Rob were taking on Mr. Knoxville and Bob Borden Jr. in a very rare four-man elimination match. Hmm. Usually these elimination matches are with uh, six-man tags, but this is a rare one, and uh, they didn't get a championship match, but uh, there was a stipulation in this four-man elimination. If Bob or Robert won the elimination match, they'd get a title shot the next week against the champions, Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr. Last match on this card was a return Southeastern Championship match. This time, there's going to be no fighting outside the ring. It was a Canadian Lumberjack Rules match. It had wrestlers at ringside, and they were there to throw guys back into the ring when they got out, to keep those contestants in the ring. Hmm. Uh, Joe LeDuc, he didn't have to win with the bear hug in this one like he did the following last week. And the Mongolian Stomper, again, as I mentioned earlier, is back being managed by gorgeous George Jr. All right, so the great cards just keep on coming, Rod. You versus the Junkyard Dog and, of course, wrestlers surrounding the ring. And this is this really the first time Sylvester is called the Junkyard Dog as he became famous by? That's it. Wow. He, he was Sylvester Ritter the week before. Yeah. Announced as Sylvester Ritter. And uh, this, from this point on, he wants to be called the Junkyard Dog. Did he? Did he have and, uh, a... For people that don't know Sylvester Ritter or the history of the Junkyard Dog, mm-hmm. you haven't been around Mid South Wrestling. That's all <laughs> I can say. I did mean, he... wow! Did he this have the... guy goes on to be a monster star? Oh, man, oh, big wrestling. time! Yeah. Did he? Did he wear the dog collar yet? No. Okay. He, he didn't have the dog collar yet. Right, but he he picked up the junkyard dog in Knoxville. Uh, it was one of the first territories he ever worked in. That's and he yeah. is really on his way to being something special. <laughs> That's awesome. So you in the first ever match against a guy named Junkyard Dog. Plus, you got wrestlers surrounding the ring to keep the war between Leduc and the Stomper inside the ropes, if that's even possible. So, what was on? How, how about the TV show? What was in the TV show that promoted this one? Well, it opened up, uh, you know, with a close-up, and uh, it, was, it was rating period, and this one had a tremendous personality profile in this show with Bob Armstrong and his dog from last week, Gorgeous George Jr., that he had walking around on his hands and knees. You know, and uh, plus the main event in this one is going to be Bob Armstrong and Robert Fuller in a tag championship match on TV with Mr. Knoxville and Bob Orton Jr. So when the show opened up and the cameras backed away, there was this awesome shot from the night before. There was a Duke and Stomper, man. They, they were bloody again, uh, and uh, they were choking each other. They And they weren't in the ring. They were almost in the, the where the ringside was and the ring was. You had ringsiders on the big platform, probably six or eight feet above uh, where the grandstand started. And they were right at the end of that uh, that segment, right about to fall off that <laughs> that precipice onto the concrete below, mm-hmm. and be right there in the grandstand. So they're at the edge of that grandstand, and there's thousands of fans in the background screaming, man. They, <laughs> they, these guys were having great matches. People had never seen fans there had never seen those kind of fights before. So when the cameras went back to full screen. Gorgeous George Jr. was sitting with Les. And uh, 
and there was a taped up stomper behind him. He was wearing his southeastern belt around his waist, but he was already pumping, man, that big old truck shock that he was famous for. And uh, Les welcomed Gigi back uh, because he was returning again as the manager of the champion stomper after spending that week with Bob Armstrong as his servant. And, uh, you know, when, when Les said you had to spend last week with Bob Armstrong serving him, all the fans popped. They loved that. <laughs> so Gigi was obviously not so happy about it, though. So, and he warned Les not to take any cheap shots at him today. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> easy, very of course. <laughs> yeah, he'd been through a hard week, and he was very testy, and he warned mm-hmm. Les not to take any cheap shots at him. <laughs> that he had had a dreadful week with that lunatic Bob Armstrong. You watch what you say about me, Les. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was uh, you know, he'd taken no chances. Yeah. So when this video, now they, they still shot there, uh, it, they put it into action. And uh, when the video started running, you know, the then the big set on behind them, everybody could still see the video and they see it running. Well, uh, uh, our boy Gigi, he immediately started to question Les about why were the Southeastern officials so intent on making Jola Duke their champion? Hmm. And he asked Les, and why had they forced him to endure a week of humiliation under the rule of Bob Armstrong? <laughs> Talking about the officials of the Southeastern. So uh-huh. He's very upset. He's not had a good week. So as the two monsters being a fought back there in the background of this video, Les started answering. But Gigi, boy, he wasn't going to be denied, uh, you know, after this horrible week. He probably hadn't had a chance to say anything with Bob Armstrong. So he's going to talk, man. So he obviously was aggravated. And he interrupted Les and he asked him another question. He asked him, well, why was his stomper having to defend his belt in a match designed by Canadians and for Canadians. <laughs> a a lumber, Canadian lumberjack. Lumberjack match, match yeah. 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 I mean, what's that all about, right? Here we are in Southeastern in the United States. Why is he, why, why does my stomper have this kind of match? So, and, you know, you know and they said it was, it was becoming clear after a week that he'd just been through that Southeastern officials, he said, they don't, I don't think they want me in a stomper here anymore. Oh. You know? And the crowd popped at that. You know? <laughs> they were like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah, I kind of so, walked into that. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Les, he kind of smiled and said, you know, I think you're just a little bit still upset about last week being under Bob Armstrong's care, you know. And he yeah. says, uh, no one is out to get you or the stomper, Les, can, you know, Les said. And, uh, but, but, you know. I did fail to mention, though, at the opening of the show today, that the personality profile today is a special one. It's a really special video, hmm. all about you and Bob Armstrong and what you what he did to you last week. Oh, <laughs> oh! So George erupted, man. He exploded. <laughs> he started accusing Les of intentionally bringing him on the show first thing today to exploit him <laughs> and humiliate him. <laughs> <laughs> that he had expected this, yeah. though, expected this, <laughs> yeah. you know. And he says, I got my battery of attorneys, and we're prepared to sue Southeastern if any of that video that they made with me shows up on this personality profile today on this TV show. So he warned less that any further attempts by Southeastern Wrestling to humiliate him, would t- he'd take very seriously, and he'd handle the situation accordingly. 
So he jumped up from the set and he just stormed off. You know, uh, he never did answer any of Les's questions. You know, he just asked his own question and he didn't let let Les answer his question. So uh, you know, his stomper was in the first match on the show. Mm-hmm. So Ron, you you've got this one off to a great start so far. Everybody's watching, including me now. Couldn't wait for the personality profile, and this show has just begun. So what happened with Gigi in this opening match with the Southeastern champion Mongolian Stomper? All right. Well, you know, you've kind of got the feel here. Gigi's a little aggravated and agitated mm-hmm. today. And uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, uh, as uh, he insisted uh, that his Stomper have two opponents earlier in the day, Rather than one, the same as Joe LaDuke, he wanted his stomper to prove every week that he was just as good or better than Joe LaDuke. And uh, Gigi was furious and uh, at what had happened in this early part, especially when he hears Les say they're going to be showing him uh, and all these bad, bad predicaments uh, on the personality profile. Mm-hmm. So he turned his stomper loose. That's what he did, man. He just, he just said, go get him. And uh, his opponents, the Stomper's opponents, were both in one corner. One of them was on the outside of the ring. The other was on the inside of the ring. They were expecting this is going to be some type of tag situation. But the Stomper had another idea, and especially when Gigi turned him loose. And, boy, when the bell rang, he charged across the ring. He kicked the one guy in the stomach that was in the ring, and he reached and got the other one, hurled him over the top rope inside the ring, Mm -hmm. and he began to beat the heck out of these guys. And he annihilated both of them within a couple of minutes. He ended up laying one of them on top of the other. And then he started bouncing off the ropes again and again. And when he'd bounce off, he'd come and stomp one of them in the face. And then the other one in the face as they were laying there. And then then he finally, I guess he got tired of it. He thought that'd be enough for Gigi and he covered him. But Gigi demanded, no, 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 don't cover him. He made him get up and go back at it again. And it was no problem for the stopper. Yeah, he didn't they, mind. They he didn't had, mind yeah. stopping him in the face all day long. It was yeah. no big deal. They had not so, suffered enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, pretty soon <laughs> both of these guys were bleeding. You know, and the referee, he finally had the timekeeper stop the match. He could see that stopper wasn't going to cover him, and he was just going to keep he'd keep uh, hurting him. So, you know, he stopped the match, and he raised the stopper's hand. Gigi bolted up into the ring, man, and he got the referee's attention, and he kind of dragged him away from the stomper, and the stomper got the message, and the stomper began his assault again. He just started going to ropes and stomping him in the face again. So the referee this time was forced to ring the bell again, and he disqualified the stomper. So now Gigi's lost on TV, but he didn't care. You could tell by looking at it. He (laughs) grabbed the stomper's hand, and he raised it up in victory, even though he'd actually lost. And then Gigi had this horrible look of defiance, man, on his face. The cameras were getting these close-ups of him. We're looking at a different Gigi. That's what I was thinking when I was watching upstairs. It was obvious. There was a change of attitude from last week between the stomper and his manager, man. Uh (laughs) So first interview, opened up with Gorgeous George Jr. and Stomper. They went into Studio B. And Gigi was on fire still, man. And he started off again, threatened again to take revenge against Southeastern if anything was shown about him on the personality profile in this show. That things had changed now. He wasn't any longer going to be Mr. Nice Guy. He was turning his Mongolian loose next Friday night. 
and that Joe LaDuke would never lay his hands on the Southeastern belt. Well, Joe's at the set, you know, he, he's having a pretty good day. He ain't upset like Gigi, that's for sure. You know, and the fans kind of pop when, uh, you know, he, they saw him, you know, George, he was really over LaDuke, man. So, mm -hmm. and, uh, so he thanked the Southeastern people for making his second attempt to win the title, a Canadian lumberjack match. He's talking about the officials, Southeastern mm -hmm. officials. He, he, he thanked them for, you know, making the Canadian lumberjack match because he couldn't keep the stomper in the ring. And without that, he was never going to be able to win the championship. Mm -hmm. Can't beat a guy out there on the outside of the ring. They're not going to count him out. So then he thanked all the great fans in the Southeast for their support. And he promised he was going to get that belt in his hands and away from the stomper and gorgeous George Jr. The second match came on. Tony Charles was in this, man. He cranked the studio up. He hadn't been on for a couple of weeks. Uh, and Tony was fast becoming, man, a fan favorite there. He was so good and such a great smiling personality. What a heck of a guy he was. And he always gave the fans something new every match. Seemed like he kept hiding things. He would hold stuff back. He didn't mm -hmm. want to show them his whole arsenal. And, you know, and he was still doing stuff they'd never seen. And he did it in this TV match. He took this match with a totally new throw. That's what he called him. Uh, and he won the match with the hole. It was it was a beautiful, too. I'd never seen it before. And uh, and I really understood, man, how fans could get into him. And he went to the set with Les for the second interview. The pro, the guy that he's wrestling, following Friday night, was in Studio B. These two had never met, met so far in Southeastern history. And, uh, you know, I might have been looking forward to this match more than the fans, to be honest with you. Uh, this was going to become a great Southeastern rivalry between these two guys. Wow. All right. So when Tony Charles calls it a throw, what, what, what was the, what was the, what, what was your translation of that? Yeah, well, you know, we a new, called it a, a slam. We called it a, a hip toss. Okay. You know, gotcha. we had different names yeah. for it, but yeah. you know, it was a throw. Everything okay. that the English did yes. was a throw. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. And uh, they didn't uh, they didn't break it down into a, a, a name for it. Yeah. They just called it a throw. How do you like that throw? <laughs> Let me take this throw. Right. right? You know. So, so Tony was a great guy. Though. Wow. What a what a fun dude he was, and a, what a phenomenal wrestler he was. All right. This is a great place for the break. I can't wait, Ron, for the personality profile that's going to be coming up next. So. No, you know, neither could gorgeous George Jr., Dave. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think he was sitting there just like you right now, <laughs> saying, what is this going to be a show? What is this all about? Oh, I bet. All right, so y'all hang in there. This episode will continue in moments. The Studcast is not going away. Stay with us. Hey, y'all, it's David Summers, and Ron has allowed me to sometimes put my thoughts out on his efforts because he has so many things going on right now. One of the best accomplishments in his life has been to become an author. He doesn't, with all that's going on in his life, realize just what a magnificent novel he's written. Brutus is much more than just a book. All you need to do is read the reviews on Amazon.com Brutus Novel to understand what his book means to people. If you're truly a fan of the Tennessee Stud, you owe it to yourself to discover his best work, Brutus. Amazon.com Brutus Novel for the book only. TNstud.com. Click Stud Store for the rare autograph copy that'll someday be worth much more than you have any idea. Brutus. Get it on Amazon.com or TNstud.com. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back in. It's David Summers with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller, and studcast number 210. And by the way, it's happening, and it's getting bigger than ever. And stud, congratulations, you've already busted past 1,000, and really you're closing in on 1,200 subscribers on the YouTube channel, Southeastern Rewind. So congratulations, that is really doing well. And we encourage folks, if you haven't checked it out, go to YouTube and then look up Southeastern Rewind, subscribe, ring the bell, and check it all out, including this episode from 1978 of the Southeastern TV show, a full one-hour wrestling show instead you said it was kind of chosen at a random that that video is already closing in on 2000 maybe more than 2000 views by now in only three days yeah pretty amazing uh actually it's really good uh quality is excellent and it's an excellent wrestling show a lot of great matches on it uh personality profile on it is fantastic it's got four different wrestlers on the personality profile yeah uh it's it's really a quality program. Uh, there's an opening to that personality profile too that uh, that's pretty pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doing anything like that anywhere in wrestling. Right. Another animated uh, opening. And so. you you may notice that the music might seem different, but you because you had to scrub, as they say in the business, you had to take out some of the music that was copyrighted. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, that's why you notice in the opening there, the uh, music doesn't start with the uh, opening exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, in order to be able to use things on YouTube, uh, you can't use the old music. Right. So you, right. you have to take off the old music and you put on whatever you can find that uh, is legal to be used. Yeah. And uh, so it's a, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem. It's going to affect uh, only some shows like where you've got bad to the bone with uh, Bob Armstrong coming yeah. in and dancing yeah. in the bed with yeah. the phone. That yeah. may be a little bit of a different uh, different be. situation. <laughs> Yeah, so. that's going to be take, take a little bit of getting used to because uh, Bob, Bob, that was his song from George Thurgood for how many years? Bro? So anyway, all right, so, so a couple of different things, but the real deal is seeing the whole show, the entire one-hour show, as it aired in, in what, 1978? Yeah, that's 1978. Awesome. Yeah. You can tell. Uh, you can tell looking at the wrestlers. Yeah, <laughs> how far yeah. back it is. You got a lot of young stars there, man. Uh, well, wow, guys, that's going on to be big, huge stars. Yeah, uh, they're they're in this one, and uh, you know, it's 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 really something uh, for 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 anybody. I think, especially old school fans, and I think even new fans, when they go and watch these shows, I think they're going to be impressed. With the wrestling. Yeah, Jimmy Golden was way too pretty to be called Bunkhouse Buck by this time. Yes. So he was gorgeous. At, at, at just ask him at that time. So and then eventually, of course, he came came to be known as Bunkhouse Buck. All right, but you got to check it out at YouTube and don't miss it. Southeastern Rewind. All right, stud, let's have it. What was on the personality profile on this episode? Well, man, I, I really did. I'm gonna have fun with this one. You know, it, it opened up with the introduction of Bob Armstrong uh, from the week before, in which he had that dog collar around Gorgeous George Usner's neck. Uh, he had a leash snapped to the dog collar. He had Gorgeous George on his hands and knees, and he walked him around the studio and uh, let people basically almost <laughs> kick him in the butt as he was doing so. And uh, 
you know, that's the way the show opened up <laughs> with uh, Bob Reed doing exactly what he did the week before with him. And uh, wow, did get an instant pop from the studio right off the bat. So, uh, and I and I felt like man, everybody at home is is doing the same thing. They're enjoying it. So Bob introduced the new video now, one that had been taken during the course of this week while he's in charge of Gorgeous George Jr. Mm -hmm. And it contained all the things he had done with Gigi uh, the week before. Okay, <laughs> uh, so. It was maybe like Monday through Friday. This is a Saturday. They bring in the video. They edit it down. And uh, and I thought, man, when I, after watching this, it might have been one of the best pieces of video ever for Southeastern. It was just <laughs> unbelievable. So, you know, and then it opened up with Gigi on his hands and knees again. And he's over Bob Armstrong's toilet bowl. Wait, he, he, so he's at Bob's house. He's at Bob's house. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Bob's got him for right. a whole week. Yeah, He's yeah. going to stay with Bob <laughs> 24 hours a day for a week. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and not only that, but when Bob wrestled uh, all that week, he made Gigi go on his heads and knees and tied him in the corner of his corner. <laughs> you know, he didn't let him manage him, but he took yeah. his dog to the ring. Basically. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so, you know, Gigi's really had to put up with a horrible week. So he opens up with, there he is cleaning Bob's toilet bowl. And uh, then the next scene, it, it shows a, he's washing Bob's feet. <laughs> and the one after that, he's giving Bob a massage, right? Aww. And then Aww. it shows him outside. This is another day. You can tell it's a different day. Mm -hmm. And he's he's washing Bob's pink Cadillac. How he won in the tournament How earlier in the year, yeah. in 1977. <laughs> and uh, go ahead. No, no, that's no. I was gonna say, I I wish we could see that. So I can I'm envisioning all this, but no, that's it's awesome. Oh yeah, man! It, you know, watching it was just amazing. It was so good, and uh, the studio audience is just—they're just going crazy out there, you know. <laughs> so then the next one, it shows him on his hands and knees, and Bob is taking him to a dog shelter, oh. and he is cleaning out dirty dog cages. Oh. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and he's gagging because he's about to vomit. <laughs> Gigi, poor Gigi. So, <laughs> but the final straw, I guess, the final one you would call it, uh, Bob, uh, because, because Gigi's father was the original Gorgeous George, and Gorgeous George's regular routine whenever he wrestled in the new city is he went to, he made an appointment and he went to the nicest hair salon and he had his blonde hair done before the matches that night. Oh. That was his routine. Every right. city he ever went to, that was part of his deal. And obviously, the newspapers, he was such a huge star, newspapers and everybody, the, they all followed and they took photos. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was a big deal. So, oh. Bob, you know, I'm sure he probably sat and talked to, uh, to Gigi about it. And he said, you know, your daddy used to get his hair done. He goes, uh, I'm going to take you to get your hair done. Oh, right. so, 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 so yeah, then it shows, uh, he said, Bob, I think he introduced that, this video, that this piece, you know, said, I, I told him I'm going to take you to get your hair done. So he did, he took him to a Knoxville hair salon. Okay. But instead of him fixing his blonde hair, he, he dyed his hair black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. He's hair from blonde to black. So, and then after he finished dyeing his hair black and he was still in the salon, 
he had him put on a dress. <laughs> well. And uh, so then, and, and then the, the big major, one of the major streets in Knoxville, still to this day is one of the major streets, was a Kingston Pike. And then, then he took him out of the salon mm -hmm. and he walked him down the street and he made Gigi follow him behind him uh, like a woman. Oh. And, uh, you know, and then there, and there was a group of guys following them down the street. It didn't take long for them to get them to gather an entourage. And they were all laughing at gorgeous George. He had, he had black hair with a dress on. Well, you got to show your dog off. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So you can imagine, man, how crazy the studio was going as this video was playing, man. And, and as I watch it, I was trying to imagine what it might it must have been like in thousands of these households all over the southeastern area watching this thing and just laughing like crazy. Dude, are you kidding? I mean, you went that far out. That's awesome to followed him around with the cameras and stuff like that. So I mean, listen, I'd love to have seen that personality profile. That is that is classic. So where do we ride to now? Well, the third match on this TV was the new junkyard dog. Sylvester Ritter was his first match on Southeastern TV. But before we get to that, Dave, Gorgeous George had to come to the set. He had watched the profile. And, uh, you know, and uh, they, they're out there introducing the junkyard dog and his <laughs> opponent in the ring. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, you can tell at the desk, you were, you're watching uh, these wrestlers in the ring, but you hear Gigi come to the desk. And uh, you could hear him screaming at less. You know? <laughs> and, and he was he was livid, man. I mean, he was he was this oh wow, he was extremely upset. And he promised, he said, I promise I'm gonna turn my lawyers loose now that I've seen that personality profile. And uh, and he says, You you can't have, you can't blame me anymore. Neither can any of these southeastern officials, so-called officials. He goes, I'm going to do whatever I want to on these TV shows. I'm going to have my stomper do whatever he wants to in any arena. He just went off, man. <laughs> Let's just let him have his day. And then, you know, and they, when finally Gigi left, he said, Well, I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> you know what he's like. <laughs> so the match ended pretty quickly with the junkyard dog, and uh, he was good. He was he. You could tell he was going to be a great star, and he used his inverted neck breaker and really did it really perfectly, like he did it on Rob wow. a few weeks earlier when yeah. he showed up out of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, his opponent was carried from the ring, and it was an extremely impressive start for junkyard dog man. His debut was really something else. So Junkyard Dog, he went in Studio B, and I was wrestling him in an upcoming match following Friday. And uh, I went in, I sat down with Les, and uh, and uh, we did interviews. The last match of the show was Bob Armstrong and my brother Rob versus the Southeastern Tag Champions, Mr. Knoxville, Bob Warden Jr., for the championship right there on TV. It's rating period, man, so I'm wanting to crank it. Mm -hmm. So uh, fans were really ready for this one, man. They had been relatively short matches in this show. So there was probably about 15 minutes remaining in the show at this point. And these four guys, man, they had what we used to call in wrestling a barn burner, man. I mean, mm. they had a fantastic match. And uh, at the end of it, Rob and Bob were, were pretty much in control and about to win the belts right there on TV. And all of a sudden, the Mongolian stomper hit the ring for no reason, from, from nowhere. 
He just comes in the ring and he goes straight to Bob. Bob had his back turned to him. He never saw him coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, he nailed Bob from behind and the referee signaled for the bell. He disqualified Mr. Knoxville and Orton Jr. But it wasn't stopped. It was just getting started what was about to happen. And Mm -hmm. Stomper nailed Bob and uh, he put a full Nelson on him. Mr. Knoxville and Orton, obviously, Rob's by himself at this point. They got Rob down, and they're putting the boots to him. And here comes gorgeous George Jr. And he enters the ring, and he used to carry this little quirk like a jockey uses to smack a horse, yeah. you know, yeah. about 18 inches long, little handle on it, made out of leather, kind of spiky, mm-hmm. you know, to get the horse to run faster. You kind of whacked him with that. Well, he started doing, he, he didn't just pat him on the butt like you had did, yeah. did some horses. He was just cracking Bob across the face and across the body with that quirk. Man. Don't you and call uh, it a, a riding crop? Is it? Yeah, is it, a crop. Okay. I think that's okay. It, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he was using that riding crop wow. on Bob like he was a horse. Holy man. cow. So, you know, and, uh, and maybe worse than if he had been a horse. Mm. And the studio obviously was going wild, man. And the, and the beat down just kept going. I mean, this lasted for a little bit. He really wore Bob out with that thing. And then, uh, you know, Joe LaDuke hit the ring. And when Joe came to the ring, they all got out. They had done what they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So they headed towards Studio B for the last interview of the show. And Rob and Joe got Bob up on his feet. And the referee raised Rob and Bob's hand, you know, but they had won by disqualification, so they couldn't win the belt. But it became very clear what damage Gigi had done to Bob. When they got the shot of Bob, you could see the whelps on his body already starting to come up. So the three of them went to the set with Les. And uh, less than two minutes later, the last interview of the show started, and Gigi began it over in Studio B by bragging what he had just done to Bob Armstrong. You know, you made a fool out of me. You humiliated <laughs> me. Yeah. Now look at you. Right? <laughs> so, and then, you know, and he, he said, I gave him the whipping that he dearly deserved. And, uh, you know, he promised everybody that uh, they just thought things were violent between the Stomper and Ledoux. But now that the war was on, there's going to be real casualties from here on out, mm. folks. Mm. People are going to get hurt lot of them right and then uh, mr knoxville and orton they got on and they did their thing guaranteeing that bob and rob uh, weren't going to ever get another title match with them and they had no chance of beating them friday night in that elimination match so when it switched to the other set bob's bruises and whelps on his skin were just wow that by this point they were some of them were looked like they were sticking up a half to three quarters of an inch off of his body. Wow! And um, his face had these long red streaks across it, and Bob was mad. He was so mad that for Bob, mad as I've seen him ever, man, he could hardly talk. Mm. And he, and he and he got out the fact that he and Rob were going to win the four man elimination the next Friday, and ensure themselves another tag championship match. But he says, now everything is going to be focused on that last match next Friday night. He said, because all of us, all of the wrestlers are going to be outside and around that ring. And he goes, it ain't just going to be a fight between the two in the ring. He goes, it's liable to be a fight between all of us. Man. Uh, <laughs> you know? He says, it's going to be my opportunity to get my hands on the stomper and maybe gorgeous George Jr. too. Hmm. So, uh, you know, then uh, stomper, you know, uh, 
that that'd be my chance. You know, uh, about that time, then uh, me and Tony Charles and Ron Wright, and Jerry Stubbs, we're all on that card, and uh, we were there. We all went out to the set with them. We were going to support them, man. You know, the we and so once we got all in a big pile there behind that set, you know, it was a full house on the set. I can tell you that. And Joe Duke kind of then stepped forward. And he thanked all of us for wanting to help him win the Southeastern belt, that this was going to be his best chance, that we were all good friends now, which was really true. We had all become <laughs> great friends with Joe Duke. What a good guy. Mm -hmm. And that good friends backed each other up when they needed to. Yep. And he said, that's what I need. And I know all of you are going to be right there for me. And he asked the fans then to show up, come down and scream for me. And let's get this belt out of these jerks' hands, right? And, uh, you know, he pointed out to all of us, you know, uh, next Friday night, uh, there's going to be a new champion in Southeastern. Wow. And Joe LaDuke, he had a way of connecting and communicating to the, to, to, to the audience of here, here's, here's how you can help. And, and, and without saying, don't forget to buy a ticket. So, I mean, it was just kind of a thing that, that he sort of had built in uh, on promoting the show. And it, it seems like I say this every week, but every week these TV shows seem to be getting better and better. All right, so let's get the results for the card of July 22nd, 1977. You got that? Yep, I certainly do, my man. Uh, Ron Wright, obviously, he got himself a win over Jerry Myatt. Uh, he probably had many wins over Jerry Might, mm -hmm. and uh, you know Might never going to have a chance to beat old Ron Wright. Uh, George McCrary beat Jerry Stubbs, but they had a great match. Jerry Stubbs was really improving. Hmm. He's going to be down the road. <laughs> Needless to say, he's going to be a star too. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Charles he gave the pro his first loss in Southeastern. Came by disqualification, but it was the first time the pro hadn't had his hand raised since he'd come to Southeastern. And I got a win over a very talented junkyard dog, man. I was very impressed with him. And uh, I knew after the match that he's destined for greatness, man. I knew he was going to become a huge star. In fact, I'm going to have a little hand in that. Mm -hmm. So Bob and Rob, they took the TV title match to heart, man. They eliminated Bob Orton Jr. first. Then they beat Mr. Knoxville without either one of them losing. So they got their Southeastern Tag Championship match next week. They're going to get a shot at the title. And the last match with LeDuc and Stomper for the title with the Lumberjacks around the ring was just an all-out war. I mean, <laughs> there was as much fighting on the outside of the ring between the Lumberjacks as there was between LeDuc and the Stomper. Mm -hmm. It was just pandemonium, the whole deal, you know. And, uh, and I ended up in the ring at the end of it and, and I had the fuller toehold on the Mongolian stomper. I don't know how I even got there, why I put the toehold on it. I wasn't even in the match, you know. I mean, it was just a wild match, totally out of control. And the match, obviously, was ruled no contest, you know, with that kind of stuff going on. You had fighting all over everywhere, mm -hmm. inside the ring, outside the ring. But there wasn't a single person in that park, man. It wasn't on their feet for the last five minutes of that thing. <laughs> wow. It was just, it, it was pandemonium, man. And, uh, if uh, fans came to see that, they got it that night. Pandemonium. All right. So uh, you had to do really well that night. How many fans there, Ron? 
Well, we uh, we got a row going here, man. In the summer of 1977, uh, we're we're keeping this streak alive, man. We're over 6,000 again. Uh, you know, I didn't. I don't have like a 62, 63, 65. Uh, but uh, you know, I was told that we're above six thousand again. Over so, six thousand, and what was the average price of a ticket? Uh, back in those days, uh, the average price was probably about uh, four, four dollars. Yeah, General admission yeah. would be three for adult, maybe two for a kid, and the ringside would be five. Uh, so you know, somewhere between three fifty and four dollars. So once you got the payout done, you you had to, you had a little Cadillac money left. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, business was good. I mean, yeah, wow. And, yeah. and so was it good for the boys, too. Wow. Their oh, payouts yeah. were really good. Uh, it was on fire. And it wasn't just Knoxville. Yeah. It was everywhere we went. And in fact, in most of the smaller cities we went to that had these gymnasiums, uh, we would have more people outside trying to get in at match time than it was inside. That's, that's just, that's insane. That's incredible. All right. So it is time for another cold ring and a seat under the learning tree. Let's all get set up for that and set us up with the question and who asked it. Let's, let's do that. All right. So it's a gentleman. This one is a gentleman named George Basque. And he asked after all the time you had spent, meaning me trying to get more wrestling and less blood and guts in the matches in Southeastern. How did you feel putting Stomper and LaDuke together so often? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of a hurtful question when I first saw it, you know, Dave. I mean, uh, you know, well, you know, cause he, he's really got a point here, you know. And I tried very hard for years after I formed Southeastern Wrestling in the fall of 1974 to get away from that blood and guts type of matches right. that fans were accustomed to when yeah. I came there. Yeah. And uh, it cost my money. It cost me and my company a lot of money to do that, to get away from that stop. Mm-hmm. Because when you try to get them to, to get into wrestling more, a lot of people don't, don't like it. They don't come back. But in the long run, you're much better off. So, you know, it cost me some money to move in that direction. But, uh, you know, it was worth it. I brought in just to make sure that I was going to give them wrestling. I brought in Olympic greats, Dale Lewis, Danny Hodge. These guys are Olympic wrestlers. They're not just the national heroes. Mm-hmm. They're Olympic guys, you know, and, and they had great amateurs. I brought in Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Wow. You know, I mean, a couple of the greatest amateurs of all time. Mm-hmm. And then one of them. Uh, the guy in this stud cast named George McCrary yeah. was a big time uh, NCAA wrestler. He, he was very, very good. So most of those guys are put on top almost every card because I wanted to establish wrestling as the product I was selling, not violence, but wrestling. Right. So that decision cost me money, not only at the gate, but also with an incident involving both Dale Lewis and Danny Hodge in 1975. So, but but I, I understood how that happened, that incident, and I never felt uh, any uh, any uh, <laughs> you know Ill, Ill will toward those two. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like I owe those two guys a, a whole lot, though, because they did help me turn that very difficult corner that was necessary to change blood and guts wrestling fans into real wrestling fans. So, as far as that question, Mister Basque, about how I felt. After all this time, putting the Mongolian Stomper and Jolie Duke together so much, was that a concern for me? Well, I think it made me uh, 
it made it work for me was having it it had it worked for me because I had so many great wrestlers during this time frame on every card. And uh, you know, if only one match on the card was a violent one, it was usually offset by all those other four or five matches that had a lot of wrestling in it. So I had very few guys that worked for me over all those years that worked as hard as the Stomper and Joe LaDuke. Yeah. And, and that's a that's an honest statement right there. Wow. Their commitment to me was never more clear than when both of them, uh, you know, endured that blockbusting angle that <laughs> sent Joe LaDuke to the hospital, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm serious. And, yeah. You know, when they came to me and said, we want to do this, and I said, no, no, you're going to get hurt. And they just they just both demanded it, you know. I, you know, I, it, so it's, it told me just how committed they were to me. And uh, so... So it, it was a, it was an entirely, you know, it's amazing that that idea was entirely their idea. And looking back on it, I wish I'd never did it, but uh, <laughs> they, they wouldn't turn to take no for an answer. Well, there you go again, knocking it out of the park this week, stud. It's another great one and no doubt about it. All right. So you, if you go to Facebook, you can become friends with Ron on Facebook. Please do not go to his Ron Fuller Welch Facebook page because it is full at this time and it's probably going to stay full. So go to his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud Facebook page. Simply follow him there and automatically become friends with a legend on Twitter and Instagram. Follow him on both at Ron Fuller Welch. Remember, Super Studcast number 43, part two. It's now available. It is another wonderful tribute that Ron is becoming famous for. This time, it's about his great friend, Paul Orndorff. He is joined by Dr. D. David Schultz and his brother, Robert Fuller. Their stories give life again to the man known as Mr. Wonderful. Get this now at tnstud.com or patreon.com slash studcast. Only three hours for $2.99. And great video packages never grow old. Definitely one of the best old school DVD offers ever is still available. The Southeastern Continental Collector's Edition. It's a five DVD pack, 67 matches, more than 12 hours of tremendous action. You can't go wrong with this five pack of history at tnstud.com. Click stud store and get it all for only $39.99. And that includes shipping. And if you enjoy a thrilling novel occasionally that could actually happen could be a real life story it takes place in the most visited national park in america the great smoky mountains national park ron's block blockbuster novel brutus is for you and you're gonna love it it is still widely compared to one of the best thrillers and movies of all time jaws over 55 star reviews on amazon get it now at amazon.com brutus novel or the autograph copy is available at tnstud.com click on stud store subscribe today for ron's youtube channel southeastern rewind ring the bell and the matches soon begin now up the first full southeastern tv show from 1978 in its entirety it's the one we've been talking about and it is buzzing 
fans that have never experienced a Southeastern TV show have gone wild. There is something else big happening on the YouTube channel this week, Ron. Would you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I would. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've got Les Thatcher, who lives in Knoxville, uh, close by, and uh, he is going to do for me a review of this 1978 Southeastern TV show. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the things that people didn't see, uh, what, what we were thinking behind the scenes, uh, how we piece things together, uh, all the different technologies that were in this program. So uh, we're going to do this on Sunday. It's coming Sunday, mm -hmm. August 8th. It will show up on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind. So saddle up now. If, uh, if you're on uh, YouTube already with us and, uh, and you've already rung the bell, uh, that's wonderful. If you haven't, you need to go there. Uh, this is going to be a great little review program. We're going to be doing quite a few of these. So I think fans are going to enjoy these. You're going to see the two guys that were most responsible for these TV shows, especially these Southeastern ones. That's cool. All right. So where are we riding next week, Ron? Well, we got another today's training that's uh, you're going to educate fans. It'll be on a new topic. We're going to take another deep dive into wrestling as it was done in the old school days, back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, the next studcast, we're going to be diving into the last Friday in July of 1977. Uh, and I'm going to be taking on the Stomper. And if I win this match against the Stomper next week, I get five minutes alone with Gorgeous George Jr. immediately <laughs> following the match. <laughs> so Bob and Rob, they're going to get that Southeastern tag title because they earned it in this week's stud cast by winning that elimination match. Joe LaDuke is going to be squaring off with guess which one of them? Uh, Junkyard Dog. Oh, wow. Okay. Joe LaDuke and Junkyard Dog. Can you imagine that match to 10, 20 years after this? Y match? Yeah, for real. Yeah. You know, and in another rating period, uh, you know, uh, the last one of the month of July, we're going to talk about the attendance at the amphitheater, and uh, as we always do, learning tree questions going to be another great one. Kind of like today. I'm so happy, man. Got so many fans sending me such great questions for learning tree, and some people have great ideas for training, today's training. Uh, so I appreciate all of that, folks. Keep sending me those ideas and those questions. And thanks, everybody, for listening today and for signing up on YouTube Southeastern Rewind. Hope you all enjoyed the show today. And please tell your friends about us. Take care of yourselves, everybody. Uh, and uh, and take, not just yourself, but others. And may God bless us all. For Ron Fuller Welch, I'm David Summers. And thanks for listening to this Studcast. Thanks for joining us today for this historic Studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.